This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today, and may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. Happy Father's Day! For all you fathers and all you will-be-one-day fathers, Happy Father's Day. It's not the kind of celebration like Mother's Day, but fathers have an incredible responsibility and are under incredible attack in these last days. From the chapter of a father's responsibilities in Adventist home, it starts off. This is how it starts off the chapter. The true definition of a husband. The home is an institution of God. The church is an institution of God. The home is an institution of God. God designed that the family circle, father, mother, and children should exist in this world as a firm. The work of making home happy does not rest upon the mother alone. Fathers have an important part to act. The husband is the house band of the home treasures Binding by his strong, earnest, devoted affection, the members of the household, mother and children, together in the strongest bonds of union. His name, Houseband, is the true definition of husband. I saw but few fathers realize their responsibility. The husband and father is the head of the household. The wife looks to him for love and sympathy and for aid and training of the children, and this is right. The children are his as well as hers, and he is equally interested in their welfare. The children look to the father for support and guidance. He needs to have a right conception of life and of the influences and associations that should surround his family. Above all, he should be controlled by the love and fear of God and by the teaching of his word that he may guide the feet of his children the right way. The father should do his part toward making home happy. Happy Father's Day! What a responsibility. What a promise. What a victory that's already set for you. Some boys from a boy's home wrote these letters, and in they, they were asked, what do you want in a father? And this is what they wrote. I want a father who will love me for me. I want a dad who will never walk out. I want a dad who is not afraid to show his love. I want a father who does not call me names like stupid. I want a father that is mature and does not put his addictions before his family. I want a dad that does not sexually and physically abuse me. I want a dad who can talk, I can talk to and wants to be involved with me in activities like playing baseball, like playing basketball. I want a dad to love me because I never had one. How sad. And that's why they're in boys' home, isn't it? I want a dad that doesn't walk out on me. 
And so when I look at Father's Day, how do you be a good father? How do you be, where is the example? Because the examples in scripture, there are a lot of poor examples of fathers in scriptures, but there's some exceptional fathers in scripture too. But I think the greatest measure of a man is found in the love chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And I found that somebody rewrote it for Father's Day. And it, instead of, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, they wrote it this way. Though a dad is a great orator and awesome preacher, but does, doesn't, through his words, encourage his wife and children, he's just a noisemaker. And even if a dad knows the Bible back to front, and even if he has so much faith, miracles happen all around him, but he doesn't love his family, to God he's nobody. And though he helps everyone around him but won't help his family, all his good works was a waste of time. And then, let's go through the rest of it. All the glitz and glamour. When I was, in, I was up in New York and a lady told me that her father was the deacon of the church. He never was late for church, even if it meant leaving his family. He would leave them, and it could be snow on the ground. And he would make sure if they weren't ready, tough. He'd drive to the church and get the church all warmed up and open and everything. And the family would walk in the snow and end up coming with snow on their heads. And they finally all left the church. Though you open up the church, but you abandon your family, it was a waste of time. So what does 1 Corinthians say that a father should do? In verse 4, it says, love suffers long and is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. So for a dad, a dad is patient and kind, not envious, not, not boastful. I was blessed with an awesome dad. I had a wonderful dad. My dad was so awesome. My father was so strong, he had, he had ice cream muscles. He had muscles on top of muscles. When he would do his arms like that, he would have muscles that were unmuscles. He would let his kids, when he would get, do his push-ups, he was in the army, he would let us get on his back to show how strong he was. But some of my favorite, one of my favorite memories of my dad, not boastful. Well, there were a couple of because there were eight of us, eight kids, all born. My dad was in the army, so poor mama, everywhere she would go, she'd have a baby born wherever they were, poor thing. And they weren't even Catholic. <laughs> she had eight children from different places. But my father, every baby, you know, he used to say, my wife looks so beautiful when she's pregnant. I mean, she was pretty anyway. You see my mama. But he used to think she was just absolutely stunning. He had his, he grew up, and his stepmother murdered his dad. His mom and dad were divorced, and he lived sometimes with his mother, sometimes with his father. She murdered him. And yet he grew up so, such a faithful daddy. 
But I remember when he would get a new baby born, he used to put him on his lap, and he would, the way he would rock him to sleep, he'd go, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> but my, one of my favorite memories was when we would go blackberry picking, he let me get on his shoulders so that I could pick the tall of the one that no one could reach. Isn't it amazing, the simple things that bless you? I got, got to stand on my dad's shoulders. That was a gift to me. That was a blessing to me that I got to stand on his shoulders. You can tell that my dad was a great storyteller because I, must, I tell stories. And he used to gather his children while my mom would be cooking and we would sit there and he would make up stories and we'd tell us stories about Uncle Remus and old stories and and we fell in love with storytelling and stories because he was kind and he loved us and he encouraged us and he blessed us. A dad is patient and kind, not envious, not boastful. They're the ones that support us. I want a dad that doesn't walk out on me. I want a dad that will listen to me and talk to me. Someone who sees me. And when we look in scripture, that's what our father is about. He loves us, and that's what prayer is. The example that God is giving, that he will hear us and love us. Because we usually act like our fathers. Our boys will act like dads, whatever they are. There was a father, and he was driving and with him and his wife. They were going on all these errands, and he had a four-year-old son. And this little boy, he was chattering the whole time. He was singing every song he knew. And then he asked questions. And then he would point out everything on the road. And the dad got up to here. He was exasperated. He said, Christopher, son, if you would just be quiet for a few minutes, I will give you a quarter. So he gave the little boy a quarter, and he was quiet. And we, you know, that was a long time ago. Nobody will do anything for a quarter now, right? <laughs> so they made it to the restaurant, a little a fast food, and they were sitting down eating. And the dad started saying, Christopher, sit up straight. Don't waste your food. Put your napkin on your lap. And finally, Christopher looked at his dad and said, Dad, if you would just be quiet for a few minutes, I will give you a quarter. We will act like our fathers. We will act like our parents. Whatever the model is, kindness and gracious and quick to listen, those are the things that our children will learn from us as we model them for them. Bible says that he will lead his flock like a shepherd and he carries us in his arms. He will hold us and bless us and we will learn, we will pass that on to our children. Verse 5 says, does not behave rudely, doesn't seek his own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. We relive our, 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 our childhood and our own children because we, it's amazing how we start looking like our parents as we get older and we also parent like our parents. And we'll say, I will never, I would never say that to our, my children. I would never. And then we find ourselves doing the exact same things that our parents said and did too. And so 
God calls us to examine ourselves and look at him as the faithful parent and not be rude and not be envious and mean. This week I met, no, yesterday. Yesterday I went to see a man in the hospital. Well, went to see a man. One of my patients that I saw, he, um, he, was, he said he was a songwriter and a musician, although he had so much cancer and problems that they had ruined his vo vocal cords. So now all he did was write songs. But he would try to sing for me in nice voice. I thought it was fine, but he couldn't finish it. But he said that as one day his twins, one of his twins, he was talking to the twin, his little twin girls, and the little girl said, Daddy, I'm not special. Because when I look at my sister Michelle, I mean, she's got all the gifts. She can write poems. She can do all kinds of stuff. And I know I'm not special because I'm just, I just look like her. And he said that he wrote a song. He wrote the lyrics of a song for her. And in that song, it says, I have a little sister who's not at all like me. She can write a lovely poem, but I can climb a tree. My brother's always different with freckles on his nose. When my questions need answers, he's the one who knows I'm not special. But then the chorus says, that's why he made you special. You're the only one of your kind. God gave me a body and a bright, healthy mind. He has a special purpose that he wants you to find. So he made you something special. You're the only one of your kind. And I thought, how powerful that he heard his child's heart and said, you are more than special. Just because you're a twin, just because you look alike, does not make you less special. You are your own person, and you are very special to our God. You are very special to him. The measure, the Psalm 113 to me, is an example of who Jesus is. Every characteristic that's a positive characteristic outlines who he is. And when you look at verse 6, verse 6 says, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Our Jesus is truth. Our God, of, as a father, we need to tell our children the truth about themselves. You know, even if it's risky, my dad used to, oh my goodness, I was the one that got the whippings the most, I think. But it really helped, because here I am today. <laughs> Because I stayed in trouble. My daddy named me. My, I'm the only one of his eight children that he named. So I blame him for my life. <laughs> well, I blame my mother for having three kids because she had eight and made it look easy. So I had three. I thought I could do it. <laughs> but my father named me Wanda, which means wanderer. So I had to run away from home and go do stuff and go adventures and travel and when he told me to stay home I would still be gone because I'm a wanderer. I have a sister named Constance. She stayed home all the time. So I tell him it's your fault. You should have named me Constance if you wanted me to stay home. But anyway. But he used to, oh my goodness, he would talk to me. I remember no, the things he would my dad could be out of the country 
he could be deployed somewhere and I would get a letter from him saying, Wanda, what are you doing? You are all out of, and he would, he would name the things as if he could see what I was doing. Like, it, I did, it didn't dawn on me that my mom was telling on me. I didn't, it was like, how did he know that? And he would talk to me even in letter about my life and encourage me. And though as we were grown, he made it a, um, he made a choice not to interfere in his children's marriages and, and in their grown lives. But whenever he would give advice, it was always priceless. It was priceless to us. Just so many great stories. I remember when I got to be in my high school days, my dad took me out to the car and he sat in the car and he said, this is how a lady gets in and out of the car. My, not my mama, my daddy. And he sat on the side and he swung his legs in. He said, a woman never gets in and out of the car like this. And he made me practice that until I could swing in and out of the car. My daddy did that. Fathers tell the truth. They help their children so that they can get along in this world because it's harsh. My daddy would talk to me, even though when I went through my teenagers, I thought he was dull as can be. I didn't think he had a bit of sense. He was so old-fashioned. He would still talk to me about things. Do you all remember, remember uh, Cliff Huxtable was the father on TV. I mean, he made such good sense, and he would tell the truth. Remember, one of my favorite stories was when one of the shows, remember when um, Theo got his ears pierced? You remember that one? Theo went and got his ears pierced, and then his ears get infected. His father is a doctor, but he's He's been disobedient. Now he's got an infection because disobedience hurts. And he's trying to hide it. He tells his sisters, but the sister leaks. My brother has an infection. He's sick. And so Cliff goes up there, and he's talking to Theo, and he's trying to see Theo's ear. And every time Cliff would lean back, Theo would lean back. Remember? And so finally it's exposed. And... Theo starts this long discussion up to his dad, and he says, Dad, you live your life. I have a right to make my own mistakes and my own decisions. Dad, if I want to have piercings, I need to be able to do that because I have a right to make my own choices. Sure, you're a doctor and mom's a lawyer, but I may not want to do all those things. And I have a right to do those things because I'm my own person. And the whole audience clapped. Yay, go Theo! And after they clapped, Cliff Huckable said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> because dads tell the truth. Even if everybody applauds and say, this is the way the world does it, dads will say, no, baby, that's not how you do it. Not in this house. And there's a cost to 
doing the things that everybody is doing just because everybody is doing it. This week, the basketball champions were who? What was the name? And who was their outstanding two people? St Stephen Curry and Oladop. Say his name again. I'm not going to be able to say it. <laughs> well, anyway, these two young men, this, these, this team, amazing. This young man, Stephen Curry, is outstanding, isn't he? He got in trouble because whenever they would do the interviews, he would bring his little girl who would steal the show. And they say, he shouldn't bring his child. And he would always kiss his wife. <gasps> what? And they got mad because he would bring his child. He, these young men are changing the face. And when the other one, what the African name, when, what's, not LeBron, although LeBron's a good dad, but the Oladapu, whatever his name is, I can't say it. Andre. When Andre got the most outstanding award, who was holding his award but his little boy? His, this young man brought his son. You know, I was reading about Stephen Curry, because his whole focus is one of a Christian father and a Christian gentleman. And so in all things, he is trying to lift up Christ, even by loving his wife and loving his child. He's got a new line of tennis shoes. Did you know that? And at the bottom of his, every tennis shoe is put on there, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And so he, even though folks have said to him, do not talk about Jesus, don't talk about Christ, he said, I can't do anything but tell the truth. And it's because of him that I play basketball, that I'm able to get up, that I'm able to live the way God has called me to. Isn't that something? He's telling the truth, even though all the reporters don't want to hear about it, and the folks are afraid, don't lift him up. But a good father, a dad loves the truth. And then verse 7, it says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. A responsible, a dad is responsible and hopeful for the future of his family. There are a lot of stories, a lot of good fathers. Well, there are a lot of horrible fathers in the Bible. Good men, terrible fathers. Because it's a risky thing being a dad. Because you are always there to model your children are following in your footsteps. I found another poem. Let me find, read you this one. This little poem, this child wrote it this way. Walk a little plainer, Daddy, said a little boy so frail. I'm following in your footsteps, and I don't want to fail. Sometimes your steps are very plain. Sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for you are leading me. I know that once you walked this way many years ago, and what you did along the way, I'd really like to know. 
but sometimes when I'm tempted, I don't know what to do. So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for I must follow you. Someday when I'm grown up, you are like I want to be. Then I will have a little boy who will want to follow me. I would want to lead him right and help him to be true. So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for we must follow you. The young man that killed the folks in the church this week, his dad gave him the gun on his birthday. Walk a little plainer, Daddy. They will do what we call them to do. Walk a little plainer, Daddy. What is it that you want your children to become? What do you see when you see them? Do you see greatness? Are you giving them a handgun? What do you do? One of my favorite, um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite um, nature shows is one about um, he who fights with fire. It was a lion. You know, I've always been annoyed with male lions because they're big and beautiful. Well, the female lions are beautiful too. But it seemed like the, the, the male lions, they would just walk around with their big manes, being handsome, stretching out in the sun. And the poor females would be taking care of the cubs, and running and chasing down the antelopes, and just always doing all the work. And they catch the antelope, they kill it. And then the dad comes over, the big elephant, I mean the big lion comes over and says, move, let me eat. And he would eat all he want, and then the females could eat, and then the babies could eat. And then he'd go back and stretch out, and he'd walk around and roar, rawr. And I think, where are you? What are you doing? And then I saw this nature show. And this lion, they followed this male, these male lions, and they... And they showed in this, they showed these hyenas, the enemies of the lions. And these, these hyenas are so smart and so strong. And the two hate each other. And these hyenas always put the, the lionesses to flight. They will take their food from them. And they were out there messing with these lionesses. And then this lion came. And when the hyenas saw them coming, they took off running. And this lion, he who fights with fire, chased the matriarch hyena, caught her, and destroyed her. And I said, I got it now. The reason why she is always so supportive of these male lions is not just to have babies but also because they are their strong protectors. They're the ones that fight for you. When you have enemies around you, they're the ones that will take care of you. And it taught me to appreciate the male lion a whole lot more because the female lions can't do a thing with hyenas. They will send them up a tree. And I thought about our God, the lion of the tribe of Judah, our father. He's the one who can deliver and bless us because we can't. This week, I've met a young fellow, a beautiful young man, who's so confused and he's fatherless. Gorgeous, cutie. I'm going to get him to come to church sometime. 
because he's needing a, he needs people like you. He needs fathers and mothers and people that remind him how precious he is. And he's so busy wanting to fight the devil. I said, baby, you don't want to fight the devil. What a waste of time for you to fight the devil. Because if you're busy fighting the devil, you can't. You don't have the energy to praise the Lord. You're not staying close to him. The scripture says, draw nigh to him, right? Draw nigh to God and Satan will flee from you. He doesn't say go fight the devil and he will flee from you. He's not going to flee from you. He's delighted when you come fight him. But the more I come to the one who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, stay close to him. He can send all of Satan and his minions to flight. Every Wednesday night, William, when we come here, we pray for God's protection because we're sitting back here in these woods. And it's only holy angels that have kept us safe here. Another one of my faith, and this is one of, I'll close with this, but another one of my favorite interesting nature stories is just about 10, 15 years ago, they were having problems, may not have been 15 years, less than that. They were having problems in Africa because these elephants, vegetarian elephants, were slaughtering rhinoceros. Did any of y'all see that? They were finding all these dead rhinoceros and they were gored. These elephants were killing rhinoceros. Isn't that amazing? How nature is out of control. And they couldn't understand why the elephants were killing rhinoceros because both are vegetarians. And so they finally figured out, they followed them and they found out these elephants were young male elephants who were in musk. Well, they were mm, old enough to want women and not know what to do. They were out of control. They had a whole bunch of testosterone or whatever elephants get, but they didn't know what to do with it. And so they were getting so upset and excited, all they would do was take it out on anything they could get close to. They found out that these young elephants were elephants that they had transported to this area so they can build up their elephant population so these young males never were around big bull elephants to teach them. So what they did was they got a great big bull elephant from someplace else. They flew him in. He's got great big tusks. And whenever these young men, young elephants, would see the big elephant who was being musk, it would knock them out of musk. Does that make sense? It would, they would lose because they got to see an example of how a male bull is supposed to act it would knock their hormones down into a controllable level and they stop killing rhinoceros. Isn't that amazing? The young teenage, these teenage elephants saw what a male elephant is supposed to act like and changed his behavior.
in our communities, especially downtown Orlando and our down inner city, one in five families do not have males. They don't have fathers. They've disappeared. And so we've got all this testosterone. What do I do? Fathers have an incredible responsibility to teach young men, teenage elephants, how to treat females. What a responsibility. Love suffers long and is kind and is not envious, not boastful, is not, does not seek his own good, but seeks the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes, sees in their children greatness and reminds them, tells the truth. And it ends with, and there'll be faith, hope, charity, all these, but the greatest is love. We've got boys in our church that don't have dads. They should. Uh, and we've got a model for them, fathers, going to be fathers one day, we have got to model for others how we treat our Lord, how do we treat one another, how do we treat our wives, our sisters. And don't give them guns to teach them how to shoot people. Or they will. Whatever you're modeling, they will become. Happy Father's Day.